Welcome everyone to the Nick's Infinite Playlist podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something's always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan. With, this, with me this week is a very special guest, Tiffany Chang, or as she goes by online, Tiffany C. Lockhart, a cool pen name. Tiffany has her own site and also review shows for TV Overmind. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Hello, okay. Nick. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to have you. Um, tell everybody where they can find your work and uh, maybe some of the shows you're reviewing. Well, they can find me just by Googling my pen name and they can pretty much find um, my blog, my social media profiles and my TV Overmind articles. And the shows that I'm reviewing for the site are Madam Secretary and Legends of Tomorrow, Lucifer, and I used to review uh, Scorpion, but unfortunately that show has been canceled after four seasons, if I remember correctly. And I also used to review Sleepy Hollow as well. Awesome. So um, we'll get to more of some of that in a little bit. Um, but I like to keep some of my topics fresh and relevant and uh, current to the time that we're recording this. But first things first, mm -hmm. happy birthday. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, Tiffany graciously uh. took time out on her birthday to record this podcast with me. So uh, be sure to shout her out once you eventually listen to this, which will probably not be on her birthday. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So what I really want to talk about is um, Avengers Endgame, which is premiering in about 20 days. Yes, it is. What are, you, um, what are your thoughts? What are your predictions? Um, what do you have to say? Anything? Well, I'm, pretty, I'm just looking forward to the movie like everyone else. And from what I've seen in the last movie, almost everybody died. So in the next movie, they either come back alive somehow or there's some sort of twist that we didn't really see in the last movie. So I'm looking forward to that. Right, absolutely. So do you think, um, you think we're gonna lose some more major characters in this one? Mm. I'm not sure exactly. I haven't been watching the trailer, so I'm <laughs> not too certain. But um, in the previous movie, um, we see a lot of major characters leave us. Right. Um, so there is the possibility of losing a few more. But again, this, this is the Marvel uh, universe, so we don't know what um, twist they're going to come up with. Exactly. So uh, what's really interesting is that one of the characters we lose in Avengers Endgame, or in Avengers Infinity War, rather, my apologies, is, uh, spoiler alert, but nobody should be worried about that. It's been a year, um, <laughs> is Spider-Man. But the, sp the trailer for Spider-Man's next movie has already been released. Mm -hmm. So one of the theories that I've heard, um, I can't unfortunately give credit to where I heard it because I don't remember. But one of the theories I heard is that all of the characters that disappeared at the end of infinity war are actually the ones that are still alive. And the ones that didn't are the ones that are actually dead. So mm. I thought that was interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways they could go. I also think that at least one of the so-called big three of Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr may be done with the MCU after this movie. Yeah, so, uh, Chris Evans, uh, I think he posted a tweet or something saying that he's uh, finished with the Captain America character. So I think out of the three that it's most likely that Chris Evans is done. If you're, if you're yeah. picking one, it could be all of them. Um, yeah, it could be. But I think that for the, the end for Captain America makes the most sense mm -hmm. because... You know, uh, Tony Stark has a life with Pepper. Um, you know, he can he has a life after Iron Man, should he choose mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and Thor, same thing. You know, he's got a kingdom to lead. 
Yes, he does. But Cap really just he um, the love of his life is long gone, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised to see an uh, an end game if we see him dance with Peggy again. Do mm-hmm. you think that might? You think that's true? You agree? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he's a super soldier who's technically like stuck in time, basically. So um, with him being done with the character, it obviously makes the most sense because he doesn't really have uh, a life, for lack of a better word, after this. Right. I think that's exactly right. Um, And there's also, um, I'm not a super duper comic book expert. I've only gotten into comic books more recently in my life. But from what I understand, there are not one, but two characters in the other MCU movies that have taken up the mantle of Captain America after Steve Rogers in the comics. So Mm -hmm. both Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson in different iterations have taken on being Captain America. So I think that there's a good chance that Captain America could live on and that we could get more Captain America movies, but without Steve Rogers. So like another iteration of the same character. Exactly. It's, um, it's pretty common in comic book lore for characters like Captain America who, you know, whose secret identities may or may not have, they may or may not have had secret identities, but for different characters Mm -hmm. to pick up the mantle, you know, um, in the flash that Wally West was becomes the flash in the books. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in Batman comic books, there are several different versions of Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's not without precedent. And in the comic books, it literally happened to Captain America. So I think mm-hmm. might be being coy about some of the future films because there are going to be Captain America films, maybe, but not mm-hmm. with not with Steve Rogers. Yeah. So that's just something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know anything else that you're wanting to see or super excited for about Avengers Endgame. Uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Okay. Uh, aside from the new Avengers movie, I'm also looking forward to the new Wonder Woman movie, which isn't coming out till next year, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. Um, I think DC is they're on the right track finally. Mm-hmm. I've not seen Aquaman yet, but yeah. um, several of their earlier films left a bad taste in my mouth. You know, um, the, I really hated Man of Steel. Like it was, I thought it was awful. Um, <laughs> and so I haven't even seen, you know, Batman versus Superman. I kind of stayed away from Justice League. I did see Wonder Woman and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think, Wonder Woman is pretty good. I so love I that think movie. That the, uh, the sequel will be. Um, it kind of reminds me of Captain America in the way that it was from an earlier time, and then she mm-hmm. has an age. Yep. So that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also did get to see Shazam. I went to see Shazam just last night or uh, Friday night, rather. Uh, I'm recording this. We're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, so I think DC films are moving in the right direction. So I'm, I share your excitement for the second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hopefully I'll keep this going and we'll be able to talk about it more with more information as Mm -hmm. it gets closer or even after it happens. Yeah. I would love to do that. Awesome. So I choose a recurring topic for the podcast based on the guest. So there'll be current topics that apply to everyone that maybe everyone is interested in. Mm-hmm. And different guests that I have, we'll talk about different things. So because you're my guest, Tiffany, and you cover Legends of Tomorrow at TV Overmind, um, mm-hmm. let's talk about Legends of Tomorrow for a little bit. Sure. So since we're recording this right after the season 4B premiere. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, after watching the episode, I find it to be, well, not really well done, just good, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. Yeah. And I also like the fact that they um, pursued, like, the whole Mexican uh, wrestling angle for the (laughs) Konane. Yeah. 
if, sorry for any mispronunciations, that's but okay. that's what I um, took and decipher from the how they say it on the show. And let's see if there's any, see if there's anything else. Um, I also like the impression that Ray did of um, the the announcer who announces like it. Let's get ready to rumble. I can't remember his name. Michael something. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a great impression. He, uh, yeah, that. <laughs> I really like Legends of Tomorrow just in general. I think mm-hmm. really fun. And sometimes that sense of fun gets lost elsewhere in the Arrowverse. Yeah, Arrow I find is getting a little on the serious side. Like before it was like, the flash where they incorporated drama and a little bit of humor into it. But now as we go into like close to the final season, it just kind of takes a more dramatic turn. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it's, I've always felt like the arrow arrow has been pretty serious, but with little humor and flash has been a little more lighthearted, mm-hmm. um, but serious stuff still happens. And so I think that, um, Legends has become a really good outlet for all of their crazy ideas, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. And also with the addition of um, Matt Ryan as Constantine. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a plus. I was that. a big supporter of that decision. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really, I'd seen every episode of the Constantine TV series uh, mm-hmm. back in 2014, I believe. Um and it was fine. Like, I didn't think there was anything remarkable about it, except mm-hmm. Matt Ryan as John Constantine. Yeah. So He just breathes life into the character. So exactly. <laughs> when they brought him back during the Damien Dark era uh, on Arrow to play Constantine, I thought that was a really great decision. Yeah, it was really great. And to get him on a, on a whole season of Legends is just absolutely incredible. I'm enjoying every minute of it. Yes, so am I. <laughs> So, outside of Constantine, who are your favorite legends? It doesn't have to be, you know, I guess it doesn't have to be somebody that's currently on the Wave Rider, but somebody that's been on the show recently, who are your favorites? Well, if I had to pick favorites, I think I would go with um, Sarah Lance. Awesome choice. Yeah, because before she was the Black Canary and she went through a lot like in her past and Mm -hmm. then now she's like in charge of her own team and, you know, tries to keep everybody together and make like uh, tough decisions when she needs to make tough decisions and also try to balance her personal life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sarah's been, she's literally been to hell and back uh mm-hmm, yeah came back to life um yeah. and you know she takes over as captain of the wave rider pretty mm-hmm. early on and she's just been a consistently solid character um yep. i really like the dynamic with having her and ava together on the show um just that there's a way for sarah to have a an ongoing romantic story mm-hmm. um which it's on a time travel show seems like it's kind of hard to do yeah but they do a really good job with it uh, so i absolutely i think sarah's one of my favorites too mm-hmm. um all time i'm probably at i think captain cold is probably my all-time favorite legend but uh, yeah he's if, pretty cool if i'm going with currently on the wave rider mcrory yeah and i also like uh, make as well because you know of the fact that he's a writer like me right <laughs> yeah and but uh, he tries to keep it a secret because he doesn't want you know his um macho persona to be like ruined by the fact that he writes stories like the ones that he's written <laughs> yeah exactly and i think the best part about him being a writer is that he's good at it that yeah he's really good at it I mean, books. in that episode where um, they go to like uh, Japan and they found this book where you, if you write whatever, it just comes to life. 
Right. I really like that episode. <laughs> that was a great one. Yeah. Anything that you can give uh, Dominic Purcell to do that kind of stuff is is fantastic. Any opportunity yeah. you can give him to be funny while being gruff and and pretending like it's the most serious thing in the world to him mm-hmm. is a great. Because yeah, before um, I've seen him on uh, Prison Break, and yeah. he was more like on the serious side. So it's nice to see him like be more humorous <laughs> yeah i really enjoy mcrory yeah. um so let me ask you this since the legends weren't involved with the big crossover this year mm-hmm. do you think just speculating of course that they mm-hmm. will have a role or at least a bigger role in crisis on infinite earths coming this fall i think they might because uh, they were part of the crossover in a way and with crisis mm-hmm. if memory serves me <laughs> they're just they were they were very tangentially involved mm-hmm. so i think that um the fact that it's crisis on infinite earths and it's interdimensional uh mm-hmm. gives them a good opportunity to be involved yeah, because they're the legends and they're the ones dealing with time travel and right. know like the limits of that. It's not like um, the Flash where if you uh, change something within a certain timeline, the whole thing just went, you know, downhill or whatever, right? Right. So I think that uh, the only question I have is, do you think that they will go back to a four-part crossover? including Legends of a Tomorrow episode, or do you think that they'll disperse the Legends characters out amongst some of the other shows? Since most of them belong to one of those shows originally. Mm-hmm. Well, logically speaking, it would make sense to put them as part of a four-part crossover, but it would be interesting to see the characters like um, being... Uh, split out into like all the other shows because as you said some of them started on like one of the shows like uh, I think Arrow was it? Yes. Yeah so that would be interesting to see. So um, the only thing the only disadvantage of that is that there are certain characters that didn't originate on one of those shows Mm -hmm. that wouldn't really have a place you know so yeah so um, there are a few characters that would have to figure out how to fit into that. But, you know, Constantine mm-hmm. appeared on Arrow first. Uh, Rory appeared on The Flash first. Sarah yeah. appeared on Arrow first. And so did Ray. Mm-hmm. So there's at least some place that some of those characters could go. Yeah. And I'm, you know, purely, this is all just my speculating because I'm curious at what different people think. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people believe that Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to be the catalyst for Arrow ending. That something's going to happen there that causes Oliver Queen's death or disappearance or something like that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts? Well, if it were to go down that route for Arrow, since it is ending after season eight, then if they were to continue with the franchise and it's like the Captain America situation all over again, then they have to find someone else to, you know, play Oliver. But then Stephen Amell is Oliver Queen. Right. So if they were to continue the franchise, they would have to get someone else to be the Green Arrow, but under a different character name like with the comics yeah and i think that's probably on the table yeah Uh, if greg berlanti who's the darling of the cw went to them and said i have an idea to do a different iteration of green arrow Mm -hmm. you know with connor hawk or and or john diggle jr yeah they would probably say okay let's do it but um i I have a sneaking suspicion that the last Arrow episode could be the last episode of Crisis on Infinite Earths is all I meant. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if they could go one after that, who really knows? Um, I just think it's all very exciting. You know, there's lots yeah. of, I, as a superhero fan in general, uh, 
these there is exciting things happening and i think that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely something to look forward to absolutely even though uh the show is ending after eight seasons right. i'm also a little sad that um emily beck richards is leaving the show and therefore leaving her character as felicity smoke behind him yeah and so they're also they asked if she might come back for the finale and best forts wouldn't comment on that. Mm. So I feel like they probably will bring her back for the finale. And so I don't think it's as devastating as it would have been if we were getting a full eighth season of arrow, you know, since mm. it's only going to be 10 episodes, it's going right. to end after that. I think that there's a good chance that a, that she'll come back and B we're not really going to have that much time without her. Mm-hmm. So overall, I'm okay with it. Um, I can certainly understand why the actress would want to leave. You know, if mm-hmm. her contract is up and she says, yeah. "I really don't want to get embroiled in this anymore," mm-hmm. I would understand that. Yeah, but um, she will be missed. Her presence will be missed. But at least there will be some kind of a planned ending. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the end of season seven, we won't have seen the last of Felicity Smoke. Yeah, and, so, I'm just, and I'm looking forward to what the writers can will come up with. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm mm-hmm. uh, really excited. Yeah, I mean they better bring it, or else all this um, season-ending whatever hype is pretty much for nothing. If the ending's gonna be crappy, right? Right, and I found that endings turn out to be a lot better when they have time to plan, but not always. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful too. Do you have anything else you want to say about legends or the Arrowverse in general? Um, Any topics you want to touch on that we haven't discussed already? Well, for legends, um, I just want to mention Ava for a little bit. Yeah. Like in the premiere episode, well, not the premiere episode, the 4B premiere episode, rather. Right. Um, I feel like she's kind of reverting back to her old self a little bit. Because while I understand that she doesn't want to get on uh, Hank Haywood's bad side since he's the one um, funding the Time Bureau, but I think she's kind of progressed to the point where breaking a few rules is better than following them Mm -hmm. so after watching that episode i was a little taken aback for lack of a better word to see her um act the way she did yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right um what i imagine must be the case is that there's something else going on there she's uh, pushing sarah away Mm-hmm. or something to that effect that doesn't really have to do with her actually wanting to follow Hank Haywood's orders to the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's more of a, oh gosh, my job is stressful and things with Sarah are getting really serious and I need to take a step back. And so finding an excuse to do that would be, and, and you know, being from two different approaches in the workplace or working too close together would be a great reason or a great Mm -hmm. excuse to push Sarah away. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's probably more the case than anything, but that's an interesting point. What do you, do you think, do you agree with what I said or do you think it might be something else? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Because it could just as easily be um, bad writing to stretch out the season, but I guess I'm mm-hmm. an optimist. So <laughs> yeah, I think we're both are optimists because it's Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, come on. Right. If it's not happy, then what's the point of doing it? Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> and I got Legends over the years has given me some of the some of the biggest feels of anybody in the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, over the years with Captain Cold becoming a hero, and um, when we lost Martin Stein, yeah, that was, that, that was right in the fields. Right, um, yeah. I bawled like a baby during that episode. Yeah, but, uh, 
so that they can pack an emotional punch. Mm-hmm. But for the for the most part, you know, they're the fun show. So mm-hmm. I'd hate for them to just to lose that in a in trying too hard in a romantic storyline. Yeah, but again, it's up to the writers, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, and if it's bad, then the viewers will definitely let them know that because you know we live in an age where technology and social media are pretty much the norm. So right. that's where most of most people go for like feedback or whatever. And and they could have a better idea than we've thought of too. You know, I yeah. can be speculating, and it could turn out to be better than that. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm not a TV writer, and there's probably good reason for that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's I just like to speculate because it's fun. Yeah, it's always fun to speculate about things. It's like trying to guess what happens next, and if you're right, you're like. Yes, I'm right. And then if you're wrong, like, oh, they took it in that direction. <laughs> so, do you have anything else you want to say about Legends? Uh, none that I can think of. Great. For the moment. So, with that, checking on my recording time here. Um, with that, we will turn our attention to a segment called Infinite Playlist. One of my thoughts when I started this podcast is that I just want to get people's love of different things out there. Mm-hmm. I always want to have some suggestions waiting for people when they finish their previous thing. And people ask me all the time, what should I watch next? Mm-hmm. And so there's a very involved conversation of, okay, well, what do you like? And what have you watched recently? And are you looking for something different or the same? Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping with this podcast that I can say, why don't you just listen to a few episodes and see if you can find something that you like. So that brings me to this question. What are you loving right now, Tiffany? Uh, what am I loving right now? Um... And this, this can be anything. So, you know, I would probably take it, if somebody asked me that question, I would talk about a movie I'd just seen or um, a show that I'm in the middle of a binge and really enjoying mm-hmm. or a show that's just been really good lately. But really, it could be anything. So, you know, if, if there's a cool book that you've been reading or an album that you've been listening to or um, a, a different podcast, uh, you know, we don't discriminate here on Nick's Infinite Playlist. So anything artistic at all. Um, I've been really into the Power Rangers comic books. So that's something that I never shut up about when given the chance. Okay. So what are you looking right now is a broad question. Why am I loving it? Well, I'm currently like trying to binge watch Bones. Okay. And how's that going? How do you like it? It's Really good, actually. I mean, there are some parts of it where I'm like, why would you do that? And then the other parts where you just start yelling at the TV. Right. And as for books, um, I'm currently reading, like, this book called um, Murder Games, which is uh, uh, based, well, not based at the TV show Instinct is based on the book. So I've watched the TV show, so I might as well read the book that it's based on. Yeah. And so far, I'm kind of liking it. I mean, there's some aspects where it's similar to the show, and then at other parts, obviously, that it's only the book that has it and not the show. Right. Yeah. So um, how far did you get in Bones? Are you... um... Sorry, let me phrase this a different way. When you were writing about Sleepy Hollow, did you watch the crossover with Bones? Uh, Actually, I didn't. I watched the Sleepy Hollow part of the crossover. I didn't watch the Bones part of the crossover till about later. Because I I I wasn't watched... uh, because when I was covering Sleepy Hollow, I wasn't 
uh, watching phones at the time. Right. So yeah. I watched Sleepy Hollow. So while you were writing about it that whole time, I was watching it. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I had never seen an episode of Bones, and I still have not seen another episode of Bones. But I did watch the crossover. <laughs> um, and it's really just like they went to get Ichabod as an expert on something. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was on the show for like 10 minutes. And that yeah. was it. And so it's it was a little more involved. They Booth and Brennan on Sleepy Hollow was a little more involved than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I just thought that was really uh, strange. And honestly, it's my only connection to Bones at all. I know mm-hmm. David Boreanaz and Emily Deschanel as actors, and I'm familiar mm-hmm. with the show Bones. But I've never seen anything other than the crossover with Sleepy Hollow. I see. <laughs> so how did you, you said that you found the crossover to be like a little strange, like strange how, in a good way? I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just that those shows to me are so fundamentally different. Right. I just, I mean, it was obviously a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they they just go to Ichabod as an expert in history to find out some information. I'm recalling this off the top of my head, but it may not be totally accurate because it's been several years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it was, it was just strange because the DNA of those shows is so different and yeah. it seemed, and I remember it making more sense. I don't really remember the context in which they crossed over to sleepy hollow also mm-hmm. but i remember that it made more sense in the dna of sleepy hollow just because sleepy hollow is more absurd in its premise yeah so you know it made more sense that characters would be able to help out with random things because it was absurd mm-hmm. so i remember thinking that the sleepy hollow part of it was better but i also had no bones context to inform that with so it could have been terrible and i just have no idea um <laughs> but it, it was it just seemed and, and i'm maybe bones fans who didn't know sleepy hollow would thought it was totally normal because i don't know if they go to experts like that for everything or or what mm-hmm. so is that the case is that uh is that the normal the norm for bones since you've been watching it uh, in a way i suppose it is i mean bones of course deals with um forensic science and sleepy hollow is more like historical science right. and the whole supernatural aspect of it right exactly so to combine the two it's like it's weird in a well in a good way sort of to see two different um aspects of kind of the same thing coexist and kind of trying to make it work narrative speaking yeah well and you know there's there are parts of it that work just because you know um booth and brennan still had their chemistry so when they brought it on to sleepy hollow it still was there yep um and tom misan is is an engaging actor yep uh so in that same way when he comes to bones uh he's an engaging presence he's an interesting character so you know i think it's overall it worked okay i just remember thinking it was really strange but i also had never seen and i still have not seen any other episodes of bones yeah well it's on reruns on bravo if you're interested <laughs> it's probably streaming somewhere too but i have no yeah idea. do you have any do you know do you know if it's streaming somewhere uh i think it's streaming somewhere but i can't i think it's watch series if i remember the name right but hmm. it again it's also on reruns on bravo i think on every friday now okay. they're currently uh, airing season six right now. According to my quick Google search, it says that it's available for streaming on Amazon Prime and Hulu as well. So if you have mm-hmm. a subscription to Amazon or Hulu, then you can stream Bones. 
So, um, got anything else? Anything else that uh, you're just itching to talk about that you're really enjoying right now? Uh, well, I am looking forward to the premiere of Lucifer, which is currently moved over to Netflix, which yeah. I have to get a subscription for because I don't have Netflix. <laughs> and though it's only 10 episodes, I'm interested to see how they're going to, you know, uh, continue the storyline from the previous season. And also add in like new characters like Eve and uh, Renmio or whatever his name is into the whole Lucifer um, storyline. Yeah. So fun fact, I've never seen any of Lucifer either. Oh, really? <laughs> Like yeah. not not a single episode. No. Uh, well, okay. So I watched the pilot when it first oh, came. Out, okay. And I would just wasn't overly impressed. Okay. Um, so, and I you know I watch way too much TV as it is. So sometimes <laughs> I just have to strike my fancy at the right time to get in my rotation. Yeah, yeah. I'm always true. willing to like give second chances, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I just haven't gone back to it Mm. um so i've heard you know i know that it blew up and a lot of people really enjoy it but Mm -hmm. i had not found the time or the interest in returning to it right away yeah the show is not necessarily for everyone i understand and uh, so i was kind of surprised that when fox canceled the show after three seasons that everyone well not everyone but those that are like really hardcore fans of the show would like group together and start you know this twitter internet campaign to like renew the show and also uh shout out to other networks to pick it up yeah so it was really surprising to see yeah so um do you think it'll be a better fit on netflix Probably because they have more room to work with. Like if they were still on Fox, then there would be uh, certain restrictions, like um, like displaying nudity or cursing or what have you. Like the bad stuff that you can't really say on a certain television network. What is on an online streaming network like Netflix? You have more freedom to do that. Although for uh, I've seen like a couple of episodes of suits where they incorporated a little bit of profanity into it they did they haven't done it before with their previous seasons but recently they've started doing that so it was kind of intriguing to see that yeah so i know that on amc Mm -hmm. that they're allowed one f word per episode so I feel like maybe some cable networks are just getting a little more liberal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting a little more okay with it because it's more the norm and yeah. they're trying to compete with places like Netflix. Yeah. Um, so I, based on what I do know about Lucifer, I agree. I think it will be a better fit on Netflix. Yeah. But I guess it remains to be seen got to see the season the next season before we can make any official calls um, yep. so i do know that the first three are on netflix now so if people are looking to catch up they can do that on netflix before the season starts and mm-hmm. if you're signing up for netflix for the first time just know that tiffany's in the same boat <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is okay so, that's so our- i'm only signing up because of lucifer i'm not signing up to like watch movies or other tv shows that's i mean i got exactly. other netflix for that that's uh that's why netflix does that kind of thing is they thought they ultimately made that call to pick up lucifer because they felt like enough people like you would sign up just because of it oh okay yeah. so it's kind of like a right their business ultimate goal ploy. is to get subscription well that's netflix is a business right of course the whole, the whole goal was for them to get subscriptions out of it so right right right, right. you're living yeah. proof that it worked mm-hmm. so they're just banking on the entire lucifer fan base that since the show's on their 
online streaming network that they're all flocked to it by subscribing to Netflix. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you have anything you want to add? Uh, or I think you've given everybody plenty of stuff to check out. Mm-hmm. So for next time, maybe we'll have some more. But are you, are you, do you have anything else you want to add? Or are you okay? You um, ready to move on? I do want to just mention the show Deception, if I can. Okay. Uh, I did mention it when I was filling out the form. Yeah, yeah. It was canceled after one season. Yeah. I thought it was a really good show with a really good premise. I mean, it it has drama, it has humor, it has like a little bit of romance thrown in there, and like mystery and whatnot with the uh, mystery woman slash killer whatever premise going on. Mm-hmm. So when it was canceled after. That one season, I was completely shocked, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Because I thought that um, ABC would at least pick it up for season two, at least. Yeah. So ABC's always has been uh, sometimes can surprise people with those decisions both ways, uh, mm-hmm. picking up things you don't think you're going to get picked up, and vice versa. Yep. I don't want to talk too much about it because I'd like to catch up on it and we can talk about it under one season wonders when we do another podcast, when I have you back. Okay. But um, it's it's a good idea to bring it up because people can check it out and kind of follow along with us when we talk about it the next time. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's not a bad thing to bring it up now because sneak peek of one of our other segments that's coming up when I have Tiffany back is we're going to talk about deception and I've never watched lick of it. So I'm going to watch it all for the first time and then we're going to talk about it. Well, basically it's a show about a kind of a famous magician and he works with the FBI because his twin brother has been framed for a murder that he did not commit. Right. Even though there's kind of like a video proof, well not video proof, but like, certain uh speculation that he's the one that did it Mm -hmm. even though he didn't commit the murder so they kind of centered the show around that and also there's really neat magic tricks i mean who doesn't love magic (laughs) that's right yeah so deception is available to stream on hulu and as a sneak peek of our next one I'm going to catch up on it and then we're going to have a more in-depth discussion about it. But if you want to follow along with us, you can binge watch along on Hulu. Okay. Are you ready to move on to the, okay, everyone (coughs) bust out your ecto coolers and Dunkaroos. It's time for a segment entitled I heart the nineties, a celebration of media from in and around our favorite bygone era. So, I'll have a series of rotating segments on this show. Uh, I kind of hinted at one of them before when I talked about uh, one season wonders. There's one that we're going to use to talk about shows that were canceled after one season. So there will be some discussion of deception and upcoming podcasts under that category. Uh, But this category is I heart the nineties. So anything to do with the nineties, whether that's things that started or ended in the nineties that are set in the nineties, like everything sucks. Um, I just want to celebrate the nineties because I grew up in the nineties and I love the nineties. So as my guest, Tiffany chose 10 things I hate about you as a nineties topic to discuss. So just a little background about 10 things I hate about you. It came out in 1999. Uh, It was directed by Gil Junger who mostly directed TV before and after that. Uh, there weren't any notable film credits. He did also direct several episodes of the 10 things I hate about you TV series, which is also one season wonder. Um, Tiffany, I'm curious because about half the people I talked to do know this and half of them don't. Did you know mm-hmm. that it was based on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew? Yes, I did because I had to watch the movie when I was taking uh, an English 
class and in summer school, and we were like、uh, studying Shakespeare at the time. Yeah. So that's why、um, we had to watch the movie because it's based on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Yes, yes, it absolutely is.、Um, yeah. And I, I actually watched it for the first time in one of my English classes as well.、Mm -hmm. um, so one of those things, I just am really fascinated by anything that's a modern day Shakespeare adaptation.、Mm -hmm. So what's interesting about that is that the people who wrote the script for Ten Things I Hate About You, Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith. Um, also wrote the script for "She's the Man," which is another Shakespeare adaptation. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. What's that one based on? It's based on Twelfth Night. Oh, okay. So,、uh, you know, the the female dresses up as the male for the purposes of playing soccer, but in the, in the play, it's、um, in a slightly different context, and then she. Falls in love with this guy, but he doesn't know that she's a girl, and it just creates a whole big mess.、Um, mm -hmm. First play I was ever in in high school. I do a little acting, community theater here and there.、Mm -hmm. uh, and the first play I was ever in was Twelfth Night. So a lot of people talk to me about She's the Man, which is from the same writers as Ten Things I Hate About You. But Ten Things I Hate About You seemed like it was more well received than She's the Man.、Mm -hmm. um, mostly positive reviews. It's got a sixty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is considered fresh.、Um, some the, I took their critical consensus quote. It says Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger add strong performances to an unexpectedly clever script, elevating Ten Things slightly above typical teen fare. So there were a lot of teen movies coming out that are like this during the '90s. You know,、mm -hmm. she's all that.、Um, I can't think of other good examples off the top of my head. Summer Catch, that those kind of things.、Um, but Ten Things was one of the better ones because of the script.、Mm -hmm, definitely. And then.、Um, I also pulled the Metacritic score, which is seventy out of a hundred, which is pretty good for a Metacritic score,、mm -hmm. um, and it made a lot of money compared to the budget.、Mm -hmm. So,、um, what are your thoughts on this movie? What do you like about this movie? Why did you want to talk about this movie? Well, the reason I want to talk about this movie is because obviously it's based on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew,、mm -hmm. which is. Sort of like Jane Austen's、uh, *Pride and Prejudice* in a way, because the female、uh, protagonist—I can't remember her name for the life of me.、Uh, I think、Cat. her, yeah, Cat. There we go. She was pretty much like this, like Heath Ledger's character at first, right? Before she slowly started developing feelings for him.、Mm -hmm. So it's kind of related to that in a way. And also, I like、um, female characters who know what they want and kind of speak their mind. So it's not like down the whole damsel in distress kind of a thing. So it was refreshing to see that in a movie. Yeah, well, I think that's crazy that、um, you know that that exists in Ten Things I Hate About You, but also that really it's one of Shakespeare's characters、mm -hmm. because. Cat is really one of Shakespeare's characters,、um, and I, I absolutely adore anything that are that's like modern Shakespeare.、Mm -hmm. So I just kind of nerd out about that stuff. But <laughs> this also has a really strong cast. There are lots of people in this cast that have gone on to do some pretty incredible things.、Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we lost Heath Ledger. Yes, we did. Years after this, yeah,、um, it was after the、um, the Batman movie, right? The Dark Knight, where he yeah, where he played、uh, the Joker. Yes, and they kind of、uh, said that it was related to the movie in some way because he kind of put a lot into、uh, the character of the Joker, and that kind of、um, affected his psyche in a、mm -hmm. way. So. Yeah, I've heard that too.、Um, yeah, 
but I think 10 things that I hate about you prior to the dark Knight, is probably one of his most career defining performances mm-hmm. just in terms of becoming a household name, uh, really having that charm and charisma of a leading man. It was mm-hmm. because after this, he does things like Knight's tale yep. um, and several other movies where he's the main character, but mm-hmm. honest, there's not a ton of that. You know, his yeah. career really took off with 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of credit 10 Things I Hate About You with really bringing us Heath Ledger. Because before yeah. that, he just got some, I'm kind of looking now, he's just got some TV credits and a couple of films that I've never heard of. And then mm-hmm. he's a, pretty much a true leading man. He's on, he's in The Patriot, A Knight's Tale, Monster's Ball, um, Lords of Dogtown, The Brothers Grimm, Brokeback Mountain, all of yep. that came after. It was spawned by 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the rest of the cast shouldn't be ignored. We've got Julia Stiles, who is, I've always thought, is an underrated actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does a fantastic job as Cat. Uh, but then Joseph Gordon Levitt, who's right in the middle of Third Rock from the Sun when this mm-hmm. movie came out. Yep. Um, have you ever seen Third Rock from the Sun? Uh, yes, I've watched a few episodes here and there, but not the entire series. So I've, I watched Third Rock from the Sun in its entirety a couple of years ago. Okay. And that's a hilarious show. But you can also see when Joseph Gordon-Levitt starts to take off because he's on the show less. And there's even an episode that they do, which is kind of, it's kind of a meta episode where they, go to New York and and hang out with Tommy, but he's people think he's someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before he's famous, he's Cameron in 10 Things I Hate About You. And Larissa Olenek was really popular at the time. David Krumholtz is one of my favorite uh, character actors. He, he's one of the best characters in 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh yeah, him. I remember him from um, Numbers. Right. Yeah. And I, I was a big fan of the Santa Claus movies growing up. So I. Oh yeah, Santa. Think, yeah, he was in that too. <laughs> I yeah, think it, was, it was. It was really. It was. Yeah. It was like hi, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, looking through the cast, even Gabrielle Union, who headlines her own show, um, mm-hmm. was in this movie. Daryl Mitchell, who's on *Fear the Walking Dead* now. Allison Janney, who was on *The West Wing*. Yeah, uh, and then and she went on to like other things, and she even. <laughs> won awards recently like he won a i think she won an emmy i think an emmy and an oscar she's not sure if she won a golden globe has she won a golden globe yet i'm not sure i'll have to look it up okay but she's won quite a few awards and yeah before that she was ms perky on 10 things i hate about you yep uh so overall, this is just a really funny movie, and it's also Shakespearean. And so part of what I like about that is just that, you know, for us, um, as a self-proclaimed theater nerd, you know, that I, I do plays and stuff like that, um, I think it's incredible how relevant Shakespeare still is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this movie came out, I consider it a modern Shakespeare adaptation, but it's 20 years old i mean people who were born on its premiere date are turning 20 this year (laughs) (laughs) so you know 20 years old is still modern ish but i think it's crazy how relevant shakespeare still is yeah i mean look at the disney movies like lion king for example it's totally based on shakespeare Mm-hmm. right like the first movie it was uh i think it was based on hamlet mm-hmm. and then the second one was totally romeo and juliet yeah yeah i'm not sure about the ones after that but these first two is like yeah definitely based on shakespeare yeah the um so lion king i believe is based on hamlet lion king 2 is based on Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And then Lion King one and a half is actually, this is really nerdy. So I, so, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so there's this play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And it's oh, okay. set during Hamlet. 
and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Hamlet characters, but they spend a lot of time absent from the show. Okay. They get sent off. And so there's this play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead uh-huh. that follows Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And it shows what it kind of intersects with the Hamlet material and then shows them kind of in a weird, in weird places and commenting on things happening in Hamlet mm-hmm. outside of Hamlet. And it's a comedy. So the Lion King one and a half is actually based on Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead because Timon and Pumbaa are supposed to be Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in the Hamlet adaptation. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a play by Tom Stoppard and it's kind of silly and absurd. Um, (laughs) But most people don't go that far. Most of them don't even realize that, that Lion King is based on Hamlet. Yeah. Cause it's just there to, you know, watch the movie right, and see, you know, exactly let themselves be drawn into the story rather than like think about what it's based on or what it's like, you know, connected yeah, so to in a way. I think it's really, again, I'm a huge nerd. Cause I, I think every time I talk about 10 things I hate about you, it, inevitably I talk about she's the man and Lion King mm-hmm. and some of those others too. Yeah. But so on our main subject on 10 things I hate about you, since it's been 20 years, how do you feel like it stood the test of time? Mm, well, it's still kind of relevant because now we have shows where we have like strong female characters mm-hmm. that doesn't exactly follow um, what the man is telling her to do. Like she still has her own opinion on certain things. Yeah. So that's how the movie has sort of stood the test of time as it were because of that. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of a feminist movie before the latest feminist wave. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so really people could bust it out now and still uh, get meaning out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause before we used to have shows where like there isn't a lot of like strong female characters. So it's mostly like, uh, strong male characters and the female is just although she can still voice her own opinion it's mostly centered around the man and what he says it's like what he says goes right and so what i what i like about it is that the likes of patrick and cameron and even really cat and bianca's dad mm-hmm. um, are men who evolve through the course of the movie yep who hold on to those stereotypes or those uh traditional views or whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. and then because of their deep feelings and because they're smart and logical people who can be reasoned with who are open they change you know they their minds are open they become more well-rounded characters Mm -hmm. and so i think that that gets lost because you could take the first half patrick verona and say this character's garbage and just write him off Mm -hmm. but the real growth and redemption happens because cat holds her own as a feminist and starts this chain reaction and so it's obvious that she grows to care for patrick yep but there's also an element of redemption for these men because they're amenable to growth Yep. So I, I very much relate to that being mm-hmm. able to growth because you can't always help your your upbringing or your preconceived notions, but you can be open to changing them. Yep. And so I think all of almost all the men in this movie fall into that category, and mm-hmm. I, that's probably the most relevant part. But overall, yep. I think the humor, um, all the jokes, still land. It doesn't. It feels a little bit relicky because there's not like cell phones. Uh, and when David Kramholtz says, I'm getting a ter- thinking of getting a Tercel, uh, the Toyota Tercel was a car that did not last very long. Mm-hmm. So some, there's some dated references um, and it obviously looks like a movie from the nineties, but overall I think it's, it's, it's not like heavily reliant on pop culture references. Mm-hmm. So overall I think it still works really well. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
good that to have like certain pop culture references in a movie so that people who are from that time period know what they're talking about. Right. But if you like overload it with like a lot of pop culture references, people are being like, what did we just watch? <laughs> exactly. So I think there's a really good balance and 10 Things I Hate About You has that kind of quality that can last a long time. Yeah, definitely. Those classics as a Shakespeare adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I've actually seen uh, Taming of the Shrew like a little bit in my English class mm-hmm. with Elizabeth Taylor and, yeah. um, and Tim uh, Bur- Richard Burton, right? Yeah, Richard Burton. Yeah, that one. So it's kind of a compare and contrast between the two. Yeah, it's it's quite different, but you can still see the similarity in the characters. Yeah. Um, you can see how Katarina from Taming of the Shrew and Kat from 10 Things I Hate About You are similar. And mm-hmm. Patrick and Petruchio, same thing. Yep. Uh, so that I, I really like that part. Just that it's so... Uh, they capture the characters so well. I think they do a yeah. good job of that. I yeah, really they, like to see them try it again sometime. But, yeah, maybe with the whole reboot thing that's going on in Hollywood right now. Yeah, there's there's got to be other Shakespeare adaptations that people can make work in a modern day context. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I'm not a filmmaker, so I'll leave them to it. Yeah, but again, it has to be something that's worth watching or else why bother? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with all the reboots and whatnot that's going on, it's like, I mean, yes, they're kind of taking something that's old and making it new again, but the new version has to surpass the old version of it in some way, or at least kind of connect it to it somehow. Or else people are either not be able to relate to it, or else they'll be like, we're not going to bother watching this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it would have to, you know, they'd have to modernize it to reboot the same story. They'd have to modernize it with modern technology, modern, uh, modern context. Uh, they'd obviously have to have cell phones and maybe they'd have to have YouTube videos and texting and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd also have to keep that feel of, Shakespeare you know they'd have to have a lot of the human interaction there too yep it would be difficult but not impossible not that I want to see it because I think this movie is fine as is mm-hmm. yeah I agree if they make ever make a remake of them would be a little hesitant in paying to see it in theaters yeah absolutely yeah so do you have any other thoughts on 10 Things I Hate About You? Anything that uh, comes to mind? Anything you want to talk about, talk through, share with the listeners? Mm, let me think. Uh, huh, uh, I'm not saying that you have to. You yeah, can, I know. I'm just okay. kind of trying to think of something, but <laughs> yeah. I just can't seem to think of anything at the moment that it's found a natural end Uh, i mean we've been on here for an hour so i didn't know if you knew that or not uh time flies when you're having fun right yep that it does (laughs) (laughs) so let's go ahead and wrap it up uh this has been an episode of nick's infinite playlist with my special guest tiffany chang tiffany c lockhart as many of you would know her uh tiffany if they want to learn more about your work or read some of your reviews you're currently writing about Legends of Tomorrow, Madam Secretary. Um, tell us how to find you again. Uh, just Google my pen name and you will be able to find everything. Great. So Google Tiffany C. Lockhart and you'll be able to find everything that Tiffany's written. If you want to please subscribe, leave a rating or review of the podcast. Very much help me out. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Nikki A. Hogan. Uh, N-I-C-K-Y-A-H-O-G-A-N. And I'm working on getting a Twitter account and a website established for the podcast as well. So stay tuned. Anyway, this has been Nick's Infinite Playlist with Tiffany C. Lockhart. And 
Nick Hogan. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, everyone.